Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm talking with author Freddie Gordon right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Freddie, thank you so much for sitting down here with me tonight. No problem at all. You've got a brand new book on shelves right now. People can get it everywhere. It's called Broken But Not Crushed. What's this all about? Uh, it's basically um, a synopsis of basic um, things that I've gone through in my life from my relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's partially in regards to my um, experiences, my biography, with a combination of different testimonies of different things that God has said and done with me over a period of time. Hmm. The overall purpose of the book is for people that are dealing with like, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are out there in the world that think that because they're dealing with addictions or other negative things in their life that God won't use them or isn't willing to use them. So the purpose of the book shows that that's not true. Hmm. Freddie, what inspired you to write this book and publish it? Actually, the funny part about that is in 1997, I got the title for the book. <laughs> and I started thinking about it since then. And it wasn't until um, last year that the Lord told me to write the book. And that's when he gave me all of the details. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or publishing anything? No, no, nope, not at all. Congratulations on getting that first one out there. That's such a huge Thanks. accomplishment. What would you say is the most rewarding part of saying, now I'm, I'm a published author? For me personally, I believe that the, the people's lives that will be changed by it. You know, they sit there and go through all the details, books, and see the experiences that I've gone through and understand that God wants to have more of a relationship with you than you think you do. Mm. This book's been a long time in the making. So when yeah. you finally got that first copy in your hands, what was that moment like for you? It was kind of strange, <laughs> kind of strange because of the simple fact that, like I said, I got the title in 1997. And when I actually finished and got the book in my hand, I remember one of the funniest thoughts that came to mind was um, back in, I think it was January of last year, I, said, I made a comment to the Lord about the book. And I was like a month behind schedule. And the Lord said, well, if you'd, have, if you'd have started the book when I told you to, you'd be done by now. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Have you given any thought to writing another and publishing more books in the future? Actually, yeah, but I'm, I'm waiting on God. I prefer to only do things like that if he tells me to do it. I'm not just one of those, write a book because somebody tells me to write a book or because somebody thinks I should write a book. Mm. I did that solely under his instruction. When you were writing this, was it an easy thing for you or did you keep stopping and starting, maybe getting writer's block? Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was easy from, from A to Z. The only complicated part was uh, fixing typos. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, the editing process and getting it all ready to be put out there to the world can often yeah, be yeah, uh, long and a little bit trying. But yeah, yeah. congratulations again for making it through that. What advice now could you offer to the aspiring authors who are listening? My most encouraging thought, if it's a Christian-based author, pray, 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 mm. <laughs> pray, pray, pray. That's the best I can offer you on that one, yeah. Did you have people who knew you were doing this and could be there to support you or motivate, encourage you? Yeah, I have one person more, my best friend, because she was around from the beginning of the book and um, to the end. So she basically was reading as I was typing, typing it out. But it only took me like basically, I think like 60 days to type everything out. It took more to fix the typos than it do to actually write the book. <laughs> mm. A lot of the authors I talk to love to read. They often go hand in hand. What kind of a reader are you? 
very, very avid reader, constant, because I like, um, especially men and women of God that have gone through like either that God has used in a great way. I'm very inspired by reading stuff like because their experiences are so intense. Now, Freddie, when you were writing, do you have a specific time, place, uh, room, environment you get yourself into? A lot of authors have a routine. Other authors just start writing whenever it hits them. So what do you do? No, not me. I'm I'm a night person. I'm up more and more at night than uh, during the day. And so I'm basically do my writing in the middle of the night because I'm like I said, I'm more of a night person and it's no particular time. Uh, like I said, it was all of the book itself was in me. All I had to do was just type it out. When I had free time, I'd do something or if I was up, like I, like I said, I'm up in the middle of the night. Mm. I'd be just typing. Freddie, I certainly appreciate you using everything you've gone through in your life and everything that God's done in you to reach out and to help inspire others. The book is called Broken But Not Crushed. It's written by Freddie Gordon and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere that you get books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookstore. Thank you again, Freddie, for coming on the show here with me tonight. I had a really nice time talking. No problem. Thank you very much for your time and patience. I appreciate it. The Honeymoon from Hell. It's the new book by C.C. Poyser, and I'm really happy that C.C. is sitting down with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. C.C., thank you for joining me. My pleasure. I have to be honest with you. When I think of a honeymoon, I don't think of hell. And this is a true story, I understand. So can you tell me about this? Yes. The year was 1966, and my then-husband and I had saved a bunch of money, as one would have to, to go to Hawaii. Mm. And that was not a common destination for most honeymoons back in those days. And we planned it to the letter, and to the letter, it all went wrong. Oh, wow. What inspired you to write about this and tell it to the world? I had shared this later in life with a few friends as you talk to each other about, oh, how was your honeymoon, blah, 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 blah. And so when I started to tell them about mine, their jaws would drop and they could not believe what I was telling them was in fact true. Oh and I started thinking about it and I thought, huh, I'm going to put this in writing before I forget. So that's what I did. Oh, did you have a certain reading audience in mind? Actually, I'll tell you what, when I put this together, one of my inspirations was I had watched a movie called Honeymoon in Vegas, mm. and it was a story about a honeymoon that did not go particularly well. <laughs> and so I thought, you know what, this would make one swell movie, <laughs> but it's all true, and it's just one disaster after another. Wow. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or being published? No, this is my first. I have the second one in process. Again, I only do true stories. I'm not a fiction writer. Although this honeymoon from hell will seem like fiction. That's what I'm doing. Is the second one then a continuation or are you doing something a little different? Well, my second one is, again, true stories, but it's about my growing up in my childhood up through my working years. Hmm. And again... As I would tell people some of the stories, they would look at me like, you must be kidding. <laughs> and I'm like, not really. And I started writing a few and posting them on my Facebook on occasion. And the reaction was, frankly, overwhelming. So I thought, okay, I'm convinced. Was this easy for you to write? How long did it take you? It really didn't take very long. I'm going to say from start to finish for both books, it was under a year. Hmm. And there's nothing like seeing that finished product in your hands after all that time and hard work that you put into it. So what was that moment like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Fabulous. I couldn't wait to 
give it to people and tell them go buy it. <laughs> I'm very thrilled with Christian Faith Publishing. They've done a great job. Mm. Cece, do you have any advice now for the people listening to us right now who want to get their first book out there? You have to sit down. You have to think about it and put it into print, obviously. And then what I did was I had some friends who were school teachers, English teachers, mm. and two of them are very good friends. And I gave them my stories and I said, please read and tell me what you think. And they were very objective, corrected my terrible grammar or other things that I would mess up on <laughs> and came back at me with their opinion. And their opinion was, we love the stories. So that inspired me to keep going. Mm. I keep hearing from authors that all the hard work is worth it. So uh, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of being a published author now? I don't know, kind of walk around with your chest out going, ha ha, I'm an author. <laughs> <laughs> I've let the local newspapers know, and to my amazement and pleasure, they've come back at me with interviews. So it's kind of fun. I don't deny it. Cece, who inspires you in your life when it comes to the stories you tell and what you create and what you write? I would say my parents. Mm. A lot of my stories in my second book are based on events with them. Some very poignant moments, some very funny moments. I am the oldest of eight children, so there were adventures to be had. Wow. And were you an avid reader your whole life? Has that been a big part of things for you? Yes. And I've only been interested in true stories. Mm. I can remember way back in grade school, well, maybe eighth grade, my first real impression book was a book called Dr. Kate. And it was a story about a woman in Canada who in the 1940s became a doctor under all odds. And it just fascinated me. So I've only been interested in true stories. Mm. Cece, are you the kind of writer that needs a routine to write? Maybe sit down in the same chair, you have a cup of coffee and you need to sort of get in the mood for it, or do you just kind of write whenever you feel inspired? I write when I have the time and when I feel like doing it, mm. because when I feel like doing it, like most people, you get more done when you're ready to do it than being forced to. And so I don't set a schedule. I just, today's the time to write and I'm going to do it. I encourage our listeners to check this book out. It's called The Honeymoon from Hell. It's written by C.C. Poister and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you pick up books, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, everywhere. Cece, thanks again for coming on the show here tonight. I had such a nice time chatting with you. Well, thank you. Again, I hope they'll enjoy the book. As I said, kind of shake your head at the end going, I can't believe. <laughs> I'm talking with author Julian Aguirre about his new book, Catatonic Smile. Julian, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Well, hey, thank you, Corey. I appreciate it. Like I said, Catatonic Smile, this is your new book in stores now. What are readers in store for? Well, it's a, it's a coming-of-age story, you know, about a young man, 17-year-old kid who, you know, we all, we all go through that, right? Mm. It's his journey on this one particular summer before he goes off to university. And so it's one of those times in life that's kind of unique. And so it's just a take on that, so to speak. Mm. Are you looking to reach a teenage audience then with this? Not necessarily, No. No, I just, because it's a coming-of-age story, everybody can relate to it, hmm. you know, because everybody's had to go through it at one time or another. And it's a kind of a period piece in a sense as well, because it's set in the uh, early 70s. Hmm. So a lot of people who, you know, the baby boom range, they can relate to it, man, because they, they were there. Can you think back to where you were inspired to write this story, where the idea came from? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I was 
inspired to write it because I would, I'd been, you know, writing for the screen and a guy that I, uh, who's a friend of mine at the time, he was a director of development out at Columbia Pictures. And he says, hey, well, why don't you write a novel? And then maybe the novel can get made into a film. And I'm like, oh, okay, gotcha. I had just an idea, you know, for, well, I think this, this thing, this should work. You know, so that's what it was. What are the chances of this becoming a film? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, we'll see if we get some traction, you know, you never know. There you go. I didn't know if that was an avenue that you were actively checking out there. I think that's a great idea. Well, yeah. I mean, well, like I say, I wrote for the screen. I'm not produced mm. yet, but I, I wrote well enough to get an agent, you know. I met some people and had some great experiences in that realm. But and it was funny because running screenplays is very, you have to do certain things at certain pages, okay? Mm. And when you, you're writing a novel, you can just do whatever you want, man. Right. You're, you're, you're free. You know, yeah. So it was, kind of, it was kind of a liberating experience, so to speak. About how long were you working on this from beginning to end? Uh, probably, I don't know, maybe six months, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I didn't really, I wasn't, you know, in any hurry. I was just, you know, kind of writing a couple of pages a day, that kind of thing. Right. And not every day, but, you know. <laughs> so do you plan on maybe continuing this, maybe writing some more fiction, publishing in the future? Well, yeah, I've already got Rest on Your Laurels, so I've already started another one. It's not a sequel to this, but, you know, yeah, another literary fiction. Julian, what happens when you get writer's block? What do you do? Not write. <laughs> you know, not, no, it, it, it's, yeah, I guess... Well, like I say, I, I don't have this regiment, you know, so when I do get started, I take it easy, man. I just kind of go with it. And I have a pretty good idea of what I want to do. Like with Catatonic Smile, it was very organic. I didn't have, you know, like an outline or anything like that. And I just kind of had an idea of where I wanted to go and just let it go every day like that. What advice would you have now? You know, a lot of our listeners are aspiring authors or looking to just get even that first book out there. So what sure. words of wisdom could you offer to get them started? Well, you know what? I think you you got to be true to yourself, man. you got to be true because people are going to know if you're faking it, mm. especially in literary fiction. I mean, you know, nonfiction is a different story, but if you're writing fiction, sometimes you got to take a leap. You know, you got to go places you don't, that are uncomfortable, you know, because everybody has uncomfortable moments in life. And so people can relate. And then once you do finish, look, that's just the start. And then just appreciate the journey, man, to get published. Not an easy process. Mm. But you have to enjoy the ride, too. You don't just get from here to New York, right, in driving. I mean, I'm on the West Coast. So you want to appreciate the drive as well. Now, it's nice when you get there. For example, it's beautiful. I mean, when my novel was published, it's, it's fabulous, man. Are you kidding me? You're holding your book in your hand. But I had to appreciate it. And I, had to, I realized this is an act of attrition. It's going to take a long time. It's going to be. But just keep going, man. Just keep plugging away. Mm. A lot of the authors I talk to say that the whole thing really gets real for them whenever they get that first copy in their hands and they're holding it after all that time. What was that moment like for you? Oh, it was terrific. Are you kidding me? They're very thankful. You know, thank the Lord. Oh, thank you. And all the collaboration, man, the people, it's a beautiful thing. You know, it's just like, you know, I'm sure if you play in a band and you have this great concert, I mean, or if, you know, your film comes out, you know, all of, all, anything creative like that, once it's actually happening and it's just fabulous it's great hmm. the name of the book is catatonic smile it's written by julian aguirre and it's published by fulton books you can find this everywhere you shop for your books like amazon and barnes and noble itunes google play down the street at your local bookshop everywhere julian thank you again for joining me i had a really nice time talking with you tonight well thank you Corey. appreciate it man 
We are talking about the new book, The Sabbath That Assassinated Atheism. The author is Herman Cummings, and I'm chatting with him here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Herman, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about The Sabbath That Assassinated Atheism? What's it all about? Well, in my opinion, The Sabbath That Assassinated Atheism is the most informative Bible handbook ever written. It is an expose of what Jewish rabbis and Gentile clergy fail to teach to their congregations. The book should be made required reading at every seminary and Bible college. Plus, it uncovers what the faculty has been avoiding teaching their students. The book reveals the truth about biblical creation, salvation, and final disposition of mankind. It conveys biblical history at seven levels. One, it goes back to infinity, explaining what Yehovah was doing to occupy himself well before he decided to create our universe. Two, it reveals the origin of Satan, what caused the civil war in heaven, when it ended, and where Lucifer's angels came from. They didn't come from heaven because Lucifer was not recruiting angels right under Yehovah's nose. Three, using the seven appointed times as a template, it reveals the truth about creationism by explaining the seven weeks shown to Moses at Mount Sinai in their chronological order. Each day that was shown to Moses was from a different week and different time period. Four, it explains the seven feasts, when they were first enacted, and how Yeshua fulfilled the feasts of the spring and will later fulfill the feasts of the autumn. Five, it correctly explains the 70 weeks of Daniel as revealed by the angel Gabriel. Six, it predicts the month and day of next year that the 70th week of Daniel is expected to begin with the testimonies of Elijah and Enoch in Jerusalem, explaining why they are called witnesses. It conveys the date of their death and resurrection and subsequent three and a half years of great tribulation. And finally, seven, it explains the second coming of Yeshua with his angels, his third coming with his saints, the white throne judgment, and the final disposition of mankind in this universe. Sounds like a lot went into this. It must have been a lot of research. How long were you working on it? I would say about 11 months. Hmm. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or publishing something? I did write a book back in 2005 named Moses Didn't Write About Creation. I think it made the most or the least sellers list, hmm. I believe. I gave away more than it sold. So can you think back to when you first got the spark for this book, that idea hit you and you said, wow, I got to sit down and put this on paper? Well, that happened when I put out a YouTube video and I saw, well, first I was looking at how others were speaking on who are the two witnesses and they didn't have when they were coming, but most of them were talking about who they are, the identity. Moses, or was it the gospel and Old and New Testament and stuff like that? But I thought that I should put one out hmm. that explained the truth about it. Well, I felt was the truth about it. 
And YouTube kept pushing it back and back and back to where when you do a search, you hardly could find it Mm. after 500 and some other videos. So I thought, well, okay, I'll write a book. And that's the reason why I wrote it. Mm. Have you given any thought to writing another book, publishing more in the future? Depending on how successful this particular book is and if there is a request, a heavy request for for more, then I'll try it. Now, you've been through the publishing process a couple times, and it's quite a learning experience, as I'm sure you're aware. Can you give any advice now to the aspiring authors who are listening? Don't give up. Search for different publishers, because I had to, and just keep the faith, I would say. Mm. Pick something that maybe people either are interested in or something that they need to know about. The book is The Sabbath That Assassinated Atheism. It's written by Herman Cummings, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere you pick up your books, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Herman, I really appreciate you coming on the show here with me tonight. Thanks again for chatting. Well, I thank you for allowing me to speak. Have a good one. As a parent, I know firsthand how stressful it can be getting the kids to bed sometimes. And I'm really thankful for the new book by Yolanda Blaylock. It's called Bedtime for Jordan. I'm talking with Yolanda here right now. Yolanda, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Now, can you tell me all about Bedtime for Jordan? What? It's about a little boy who doesn't necessarily want to go to bed when it's time. He'd rather, much rather stay up playing with his toys. Hmm. But his mother tells him about special places he could visit in his dreams. So Jordan decides to visit the animals at the zoo. Hmm. So was the inspiration for this taken from personal experiences of you having problems getting the kids to bed, too? No, I'm not a parent, but I'm an aunt. Hmm. Yeah, oftentimes they much rather stay up and play. Absolutely. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing a book or publishing? No, this is my first time. Congratulations. How long did this take you? Thank you. Thank you. To write the story didn't take long at all, but as far as the publishing aspect, it took about a year and a half. Hmm. And when it came to the illustrations, you know, that can be a really tricky part of children's books because it's so important and you have to get the visuals to line up with your story. What was that like for you? That was one of the most exciting parts, me telling them what I wanted the characters to look like. Hmm. And when I first seen it, I was just elated how well it had turned out. So that moment when you got that first copy and held it in your hands, what kind of excitement were you feeling? I just felt very accomplished. Mm. And have you given any thought to writing more books and publishing more in the future? I do have a follow-up for Bedtime for Jordan. And I also, I write poetry, so Mm. I would like to get my book of poems published someday. That's wonderful. Now, being that you've done this for the first time, you've taken that journey of publishing your first book, what advice could you offer to aspiring authors? I don't really have any advice. I would just tell them to go for it. I believe everybody has at least one book in them. Mm. So I would just tell them to go for it because wonderful things happen when you follow your dreams. Absolutely. Now, when you think of it, you're a published author now. And what's the most rewarding aspect of that for you? Hearing my mother tell me she was proud of me, Mm. that was the most rewarding. I talk to a lot of authors, and a lot of them say that they love to read as well. What kind of a reader are you? I love autobiographies. I love reading about people's life stories. 
I just recently uh, finished Cicely Tyson's book, and I really enjoyed it. And when you go to write, either things like this or your poetry, do you have a routine that you get into? Do you sit down maybe a certain time or place, or is it the kind of thing where you write whenever the inspiration hits you? When the inspiration hits me. Hmm. Writing and publishing a book can be such a difficult process sometimes. So, Yolanda, did you have people around you in your life who knew you were doing this and they could kind of be there to back you up? Well, my brother, he also, my dad and my brother both write poetry. And my brother had self-published a book some years ago. That helped encourage me to try to do this as well. Hmm. Well, I encourage our listeners to check this out, especially if you're having trouble getting those kids to bed at night. It's called Bedtime for Jordan. It's written by Yolanda Blaylock, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get this everywhere. You buy books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Yolanda, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had such a nice time talking with you. Thank you so much, Corey. What is everlasting success? Well, author Samuel Lefebvre explores that in his new book, The Perfect Gift, Reward of Faithfulness. Samuel is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Samuel, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a privilege, and I'm excited about this whole thing. So thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Can you tell me all about The Perfect Gift, Reward of Faithfulness? Yes. So The Perfect Gift, uh, Reward of Faithfulness, I call it the Titanic remake of the Bible. The reason why I call it the Titanic, if you if you remember the movie Titanic, it tells you of the story of the Titanic, but it, it has a love story in it. Mm. So this book somewhat tells you of the story of the creator using Bible study, but it has a love story. It has a personal biography and a, lo- a love story in it in terms of how I met the perfect gift and how I was inspired by the perfect gift to discover and now in pursuit of fulfilling my purpose. But also most importantly, I think in a nutshell, it prescribes the six steps to have a perfect relationship with the creator. So in the process, it would help you not only weigh the probability of discovering, of choosing between faith and randomness and randomness of the universe, but also how do you establish that kind of like perfect relationship with this creator once you surrender to faith to him. Hmm. Samuel, what kinds of readers do you think would be most into this? You know, I really believe that people that are kind of uh, curious, like especially um, that are leaning on the agnostic side, I believe that there's two components of the book. I think three steps to discover and embrace your identity and three steps of activity where you go about discovering and fulfilling the purpose of your existence. I believe in the step of the identity, the identity part in which where I weigh the probability using scientific theories and personal opinion and scientist opinion to essentially show the higher probability of one versus the other. I think that would really intrigue the folks that are curious, the folks that are, you know, that are on the agnostic side. Mm. But I think for in terms of the, the activity part, where how you go about discovering and fulfilling the purpose of your existence with the love story in it, I think that's going to be appealing for everybody. So especially the folks that are already believers and folks that are yearning to find this perfect gift, this companion that would uh, help guide them towards discovering and fulfilling the purpose of why they're here on earth. Hmm. 
Can you tell me how the idea or the inspiration came about for this? Yeah, so essentially, I got to say it's all a matter of destiny because mm-hmm. what happened, I, I've been through a lot of heartache in life because I was, you know, I was a, a very rebellious teenager to a young adult. I went to a, a terrible relationship in which I ended up stealing somebody else's wife and made that person, I can say, my living partner. And that ended up in chaos that where I got into a crossroad in which I had to choose between life and death. And fortunately, in uh, the creator's plan for me, I chose life. And I started to, in my misery, living in inhumane and impoverished condition, I started to write. I started to write, you know, from scripture, from the Bible. From then, people start telling me, like, listen, you have, you have a book on you. You're going to be writing someday. Mm-hmm. Never really believe it until I met the perfect gift. So once I met the perfect gift, then we drew that out of each other. She's an author herself, so she, she's much smarter than I, than I am. So <laughs> she got her first book out a year and a half earlier than I did. That's when the inspiration came, and I got laid off for my job. So I got laid off for my job on January of 2019. And now that gave me ample time to spend like eight hours a day writing that book. But it's a game-changing book. So I think this book is going to be, I, call, I believe this book is going to be a bestseller. It's going to change a lot of, a lot of lives, and it's going to be, a, it's a ga- definitely a game-changing book. If you're looking to find out more about success, fulfillment, purpose, and a true identity, then you can check this book out. It's called The Perfect Gift, Reward of Faithfulness. It's written by Samuel Lefebvre, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get this everywhere that you buy your books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Samuel, again, I had a great time talking with you here tonight. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you. And I'm looking, and hopefully this is not going to be the last time. I'm sitting down with author Brenda M. Lucas here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Brenda, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Thank you for having me. I'd like to congratulate you on having a new book out right now in stores. It's called Grace for Sarah. Could you tell me about it? Yes, it's actually a story about a young girl who faces lots of struggles in her life. Um, It's set in the 1970s. She goes through some trials and her faith is, is her one thing that she maintains to survive. What sorts of readers do you think would really be into this? I really wrote it thinking of a young adult reader, one that is about the age of of the character, Sarah, who's 18 in the book. But I found lots of people at all age levels, all the way to the 80s, have enjoyed reading it. Can you think back to where you got the idea, the inspiration for the story? Yes, actually, it was uh, my ninth grade high school reading English teacher. Uh, English teacher at that time. Mm. We did short stories. We were asked to write short stories, and I had written the short story with a very beginning basis of the story. And he kept telling me how much he enjoyed my re- my writing and encouraged me to please write and continue to write. Mm. So, is this your first book? Then, have you ever been published before? I actually self-published this book the year before, and just so I'd have a copy. <laughs> so it really wasn't promoted in any way. Other than that, I have done some writings that. I submitted, but I've not actually, you know, had anything else published. Mm -hmm. So this is my first real book. (laughs) Was it a long process to get everything formatted and put together to launch to the world? It really wasn't as much as I thought it would be. And mainly because I've carried this book with me since my high school years, believe it or not, in a manila envelope. All the additions that I've added through the years and things that I added and pieces, it was 
Uh, only thing I'll encourage people is don't write in pencil because it's really hard to read when you get old. <laughs> and then a few years ago, I just decided that it was time to to pull it all together. The hardest part was getting someone else to read it, to edit it more besides me. And um, Christian Faith Publishing has been wonderful with that. Have you considered maybe a follow-up to this, a sequel, or maybe writing another kind of book? Actually, I have. Not long after, my family and friends, who are basically the only ones that read my copies, they gave me a lot of feedback, and I started thinking about the characters and things I wanted to say that I didn't say and didn't add. And so I continued and actually have about three quarters of the way full of uh, finished of uh, like a second book, I guess, which I'm calling Life for Sarah. Hmm. So this was a book a long time in the making. And what was it like the moment that you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Extremely emotional. Hmm. It was so exciting to actually know I completed something that was a lifelong dream. It was something I always wanted to do. And now you're a published author. To you, what is the most rewarding aspect of that? I think having other people tell me how much they've enjoyed the story or how much it affected them. That's the whole goal for me as a reader. I do the same thing. I'm affected by books I read. And so being able to affect other people is very fulfilling for me. Mm. Is there any other advice that you could offer to the aspiring authors who are listening? I think just don't give up and don't think just because it wasn't exactly perfect the first time that you can't improve on it. There were many changes to this book over the 40 some years that I worked on it. So it's very it's very important to just not throw anything away, hang on to it and pull it all out and you'll be surprised what you can do with it. So many of the authors that I talk to also love to read. What kind of a reader are you? I love to read. Always have. I read everything, basically. A, a lot of romantic fiction, adventure stories, autobiographies, some nonfiction. Well, this is a book that I encourage our listeners to check out. It's called Grace for Sarah. It's written by Brenda M. Lucas, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere that you shop for books like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Brenda, thank you so much again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you so much. If Geo's Back to School, it's the new book by Elsie Young. And I'm speaking with Malin, the author, right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Malin, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's great to be on. Congratulations on getting this new book out. Can you tell me what readers could expect in If Geo's Back to School? Oh, most definitely. They're going to find that Gio is a young man, a little boy anticipating his first day to school. You know, as kids enter sixth grade, there's so many anticipations changing from a new school, possibly going into a new section of the city, missing their old friends. And that can be a lot for kids going into middle school in sixth grade. I know here in Indiana, that's a big change. And all the anticipation of that, not all children feel comfortable sharing those feelings, let alone with their family and friends, but with new friends. And so when they enter into the sixth grade, my daughter is a sixth grade teacher and my husband is a principal. And 
they can tell you the mishaps that can come upon that from the locker, the fear of get, I can't open my locker mm -hmm. to changing and getting into the next classroom on time before the bell rings and, you know, the awkwardness of the cafeteria. And so this is Gio's interpretation of what he feels even before he walks into the school building. And he takes you on a journey through his mind and his imagination. And he says all these conversations through this book illustration. I love the idea behind this. I can think back myself to when I was that age and, and certainly the anxiety of taking that big step in your life and so many changes, so many things coming up. And so this is a great resource for children. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I wrote it for, you know, the grades four through sixth grade. Mm. Also, you know, I wanted the children to have a vivid look into that. And so I've done several readings already, which mm. has been a blessing for me. And I also wanted this note, though, to be for teachers and anyone who comes into contact with children in the educational field and social working field that children do have these, as, as well as parents, that children do have these anxieties about that. And to maybe take note of this, I know that was a big deal. My children moved after school started. And, you know, being the new kid in school, maybe four weeks after school started, that this can be a full anticipation of that. You know, no child wants to be the new kid in school being that it's five weeks in. It's like, really, mom, mm. <laughs> you're really going to move me now? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How long were you working on this? I actually was working on a grown up spiritual book got to the last chapter and decided to take a little breather. And mm. I could not get this. You know how you have a song on your mind. Mm. And I couldn't get this little Bible tune out of my head. And all of a sudden, words started flowing through my mind. And really, it kind of piggybacked off of the grown-up book that I was working on because mm. it dealt with family. And literally, if came out of that, a song and out of that grown-up book. And that's how I gave birth to If. Mm. And it took me, I said, I got to get this down on paper. And it literally took me two weeks. Wow. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks of writing nonstop and illustrating because I did all the illustrations myself wow. that I handed it over to the publisher, illustrating and writing for two weeks because, it, you know, when it comes to you, it comes to you. <laughs> And there's nothing like seeing the whole thing come together, having that finished product. What was that moment like for you when you got to hold that first copy in your hands? Extremely overwhelming and humbled mm. because this was a complete tribute to my parents. You know, mm. I, I come from an educational family. Like I said, my husband's a principal. My two children are teachers. And I mean, we all know that not every child has the same kind of home. Mm. But seeing it firsthand, my parents were not perfect, but they were perfectly imperfect people. But I learned that one thing they did do right was love me completely every single day. And not every child has that. And the affirmation that they gave me, encompassing that, you know, by using the words that they gave me, that life can be filled of all these trials, but picking yourself up every day and giving me the confidence that with their words that they gave me before I walked out that door. And that's something that, you know, if will show that I wanted to illustrate and write in, the, in my book that our children are away from us 90% of the day. Mm. 
and you want your voice as a parent or custodian of your child, you want your voice to rise up like a phoenix so that when your child is filled with all of this anxiety and you want, or what have you of nervousness, you want them to have a toolbox of all these good words that you give them. This book's called If, Geo's Back to School. It's written by Elsie Young and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere that you shop for your books, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, at iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Malin, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you for telling me about this truly wonderful book with some great messages and encouragement for our children. It's been fantastic talking tonight. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. I'm really excited to be talking with author Teresa Dryden here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Teresa, thank you so much for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Glad to be with you tonight. Really happy to be talking with you, and I'm so excited to see you have a new book out right now. It's called My Jesus Journal. So what can readers expect here? Well, it's a book about my spiritual poems that I wrote with the dates and times on them, explaining the situation I was going through at that present time. And there are some of my favorite scriptures in my book that I am certainly will help someone out when they read them. And then as you go on through the book with the dates and the times, you'll read experiences that God has helped me through in my life and different circumstances that he got me through that wasn't easy to get through, but he got me through and praise the Lord. And I'm also working on a second book. (laughs) It's called My Heavenly Father Journal this time. Wonderful. This is such personal work for you. Was this easy for you to release to the world? Well, see, I have been writing since I was a kid at home because I came from an abusive family. Mm. My daddy was an alcoholic and drank real bad. And you know how alcoholics treat their children and their wives and vice versa. Mm. So I sat in my room most of the time as a black sheep of the family and wrote down, even as a child, what I was going through and how I felt. And in my own kind of way, kneeling by my bed, praying to God to help the situation out, to intervene on my mother's behalf because daddy was just beating on her and beating on her. And she didn't deserve it because she always took us to church. She made sure she took us to church every Sunday morning when the doors were open. My book was inspired because, see, in reality, I choose not to have close friends because they can sometimes hurt you in different kind of ways. So I said, I know there's one true friend that I can count on no matter what, and that's my God up above and his son, Jesus Christ. So that's how I started my journal. My journals is by calling them my Jesus journal. I would buy five subject composition books and just write on the front my Jesus journal and then start writing to Jesus in there about everything I was going through all through those years of my life. And I have a testimony even now that's not in my book. In 2018, I found out I was born with my right kidney smaller than my left. Hmm. And I've been functioning on one kidney all these years. When I found out about my kidney, I said, oh, Lord, please don't let me have to go on dialysis. Please spare me that kind of life. And praise the Lord, he spared me that kind of life. My kidney is functioning just fine on its own, and I praise God for that. Teresa, you've led a life of so many challenges, and yet God has shown himself faithful again and again for you. So 
When you got that first copy of my Jesus Journal in your hands after working on it all that time and going through the publishing process, what was that like for you? It was just, I sleep with it. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I sometimes sleep with it because it's a dream come true for me, a dream that talks about God that he helped me make come true. I didn't do it on my own. He helped me make this dream come true for myself. And I give him all honor and praise and glory for allowing me to write the words to witness to other people about him. Mm. I'm trying to witness to my son, Laramie Knight. He's in prison. He spent most of his life in prison as a teenager. Never been married, never had no children or anything. And I just been reaching out to him. And I finally got a postcard from him yesterday saying he was so thankful to know that his mother still loved him. And she was still praying for him and cared about him. And that touched my heart. I had to take and hang it on my Christmas tree that I got up, his little postcard. I put a piece of ribbon in it and hung it on my Christmas tree. So I'll have him with me during the holidays in that sense. Well, Teresa, you've certainly had a lot of challenges in your life, to say the least. Thank you so much for sharing with the world how God has worked in your life, how God has taken you and given you the strength and everything you've needed to persevere a lot of people are going to be encouraged and inspired by your work. This is called My Jesus Journal. It's written by Teresa Dryden, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you usually shop for your books, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Teresa, thank you so much again here for joining me tonight. I had a wonderful time learning about your story and just chatting with you. Well, you're welcome. I enjoy chatting with you also, and I hope you have a great evening. I love nature, and I also love reading poetry, and that's why I'm excited to be talking about this new book. It's called Exploring Nature Through Poetry. The author is Percy E. Mills, and I'm speaking with his widow, Mildred, here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mildred, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. Oh, thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about Exploring Nature Through Poetry, which is Percy's work, and sort of how you brought it to life? You know, his work is like a smorgasbord that serves up a variety for anybody. It would satisfy anyone's palate. It covers things for children, like closing the gap. And then even seasoned adults would enjoy spring. He would recite his work to anyone that would listen. Like he'd go to a festival and he'd just pick a random person and just recite his work. He did that for years. Hmm. was several decades, you know, in the making. Mildred, how much of Percy's work has been released prior to this? Has the world ever seen anything he's created before? Well, what happened a few years before he started exploring nature, he did do a story about the city of Pittsburgh. Hmm. It's a um, piece of artwork, actually, that you can hang on your wall. It's called Jewel of the Night. Yeah, he had a gentleman that did the artwork and stuff, and it tells about how Pittsburgh used to be in the beginning and how it is now. Hmm. But exploring nature through poetry, it spanned several decades. There was only one poem in there that was written prior to the main bulk, and that was The Degenerate. And that was a true story. That happened when he was working on the police department. Oh, wow. And the date is actually on there when it started and what happened. 
Yeah, he used to work undercover, so he was used to having different get-ups, you know, so people wouldn't recognize him, you know. Hmm. That morning when he went out, there's a paragraph before it starts that explains what this is about. They wanted people to get an idea of human nature. You know, how do people respond to people that are destitute? You know, people on the street and what have you. So this was right up his alley. What he did when he went to kiss me goodbye that morning, he made sure that I saw this big gash on the side of his face. And I said, oh, I know that didn't come from shaving. (laughs) Yeah, he had taken glue and pulled his skin out and made this thing across his face. I said, wow, oh my. (laughs) But all this is explained in that poem, The Degenerate. I think people would find that quite interesting because that is really how people respond. You know, people will see themselves. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this is truly an inspiring book. It's called Exploring Nature Through Poetry. It's written by Percy E. Mills, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can get this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Mildred, thank you for joining me here tonight. I had a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you for introducing me to Percy's work. I had a really nice time talking. Would you like for me to share his favorite poem? Absolutely. I'd love to hear it. This is the one that was most requested. It was called Grave Dust. Feeling sad, just received the news. Grave dust will soon be settling on my shoes. One of my friends passed away. Just talked to him the other day. It could have been me. It could have been you. And there isn't anything that we can do. Be kind to your friends and family. You never know who the next one will be. Hug and kiss your little ones each and every day. And remember, they're listening to every word you say. Teach them good things that will sustain them in that day when grave dust settles on their shoes when you pass away. Thank you, Mildred. Thank you, Corey. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 